WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. I have here live with me, Chef Jared Zerang, and I am so happy that he is joining me because for my listeners out there, you probably know that I am a cookbook addict, and he has an amazing new cookbook called Southern and Smoked Cajun Cooking Through the Seasons, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. How are you doing today, Jared? Great, Amy. How are you? Very well. So talk to me. Did you just wake up one day and say, today I'm going to write a cookbook? No, not at all. I never thought I would do it um, in my life. But um, in years of owning restaurants and training cooks and um, and also gathering like family stories and stuff like that and family recipes, um, I just started to have this pile of information and binders of recipes and um, you know we'd make recipe cards with stories and stuff like that to give customers and um, and you know uh, so I, I just started having all this this stuff and I just wanted to compile it in some kind of way to um, to give to people I love it and you know that I think all of us who are are either uh, professional cooks or home cooks we have those stacks of binders and stacks of folders and little uh, things written out on the back of the grocery receipt right that we all keep and we want to cherish forever and yeah. it's pretty cool whenever you see it all hardbound and beautiful in yeah, your hand right yeah I mean this um, the photographs and uh, the way everything came together was is you know really a surprise well, you know, I've done a cookbook, and I know how much work it is, and I, I joke that's probably why my second cookbook has never come out, because it is so much to, work. But you have to forget. It's like a restaurant, you know? You, you only open a new restaurant when you forget how much trouble it was to do the first one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, so when you started this project, you know, uh, so many times people print a recipe off the internet, and they go, oh, this recipe was terrible. And I tell them, well, because honestly, I don't think anybody ever tested that recipe. That's a person that just typed it up on their blog and never actually cooked it. What did you have to go through to make sure that all the recipes in this book were exactly the way you wanted them? Well, a lot of these recipes were, were um, done and revised and revised um, as I had my own cooks in my restaurants testing them out on a weekly basis because uh, these were recipes that they had to work from and at one time I had four restaurants and and they had to be consistent through you know from one to the next and um, a lot of the other ones are um, family recipes that are done you know on a regular basis as well so but we just had to scale them in some sort of way you know uh, either for the restaurant or adapt it for the cookbook and um, to make it a little more approachable and um, so most of these recipes have been done hundreds of thousands of times now for the family ones uh, did you have a family member you know who said 
well, you tweaked my recipe. It's not quite the right. same. Or mine is still better. <laughs> How did those conversations go down? Well, I mean, I've, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that that's really happened um, yet because most of the family recipes I have are my grandmother's. Um, one is no longer with us. The other one has um, Alzheimer's. And that's another reason why I wanted to get these down, you know. But I'm sure that my mom, um, you know, can look at these recipes and she'll do it her own way or, you know. But <laughs> but, I all, but I have to do it consistently, you know. Right. So, um, so I'm sure some of these recipes may have been hers at one point. But, you know, I think she seems to tweak her her cooking every time yeah well I laughed that I have my mom's pepper jelly recipe right and that is my claim to fame that was her claim mm -hmm. to fame and not too too long ago I bumped into my mom's best friend from high school and she said you know that's not your mom's pepper jelly recipe right mm -hmm. that's mine I gave it to your mom first. So you're using my pepper jelly recipe. And I just, I love how these now families. Now it's yours. It's, I said, it's mine because I said so. Right. But I love how, you know, people in South Louisiana cherish their recipes so much and they feel so passionately about them. And sometimes it's hard to get them from them too. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's so many older people that are just like, well, I'm not dead yet. You can't have my recipe, you know, and it's like. Okay, but I hope it's written or something because um, if, you know, you never know when you, when you won't remember it anymore. And it's, you know. you know, it's so important to have it written down for those generations. I don't believe in secret recipes anymore unless it's something I'm selling, right? Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, I might keep it a secret, but otherwise I'm going to give you all my recipes. Talk a little bit about, you know, growing up in South Louisiana and... Your, your love of food or how food has it kind of been a thread in your life, is it? Yeah, it, it always has been. Uh, you know, I remember going to the church fair and, and, you know, now you think of fairs and you think of like funnel cakes and fried everything you can possibly dream of and all that. But when in our, in uh, the St. Philip Church Fair in Bashery, Louisiana, we we had everything from, you know, um, turtle sauce pecan to um, seafood fettuccine to uh, anything you could think of. I mean, there were there were um, soft shell crawfish that were being fried. There was just everything you could possibly think of and things that you that we probably don't even see anymore. And, uh, you know, it was just this huge menu of things that were just, you know, like not even available today because there's, because the people that were making that, those things or, or um, cooking those things, they're not alive anymore, you know? And I mean, I mean, I'm sure somebody knows how to do it, but they don't know how to do it on that scale. You know, it's just not really possible anymore. And, and also going to restaurants with my family as a kid and me, you know, not knowing that I couldn't order the most expensive thing on the menu, you know, and uh, just getting those eyes from across the table, you know. Um, so, I mean, there was always a curiosity of, you know, things that I wanted to taste and I wanted to, or, you know, that I, I could look at the menu at a young age and be like, that sounds amazing, you know. But 
you know, when I got those eyes, uh, <laughs> no, you will not be ordering that today. No, you're uh, not having the steak yeah. or uh, the time that you, they let you order the steak, but then they're like, you got to sit there and eat the whole exactly. thing. And you realize yeah. your eyes were a little bit bigger yeah. than your stomach. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, you know, helping in the kitchen with my, with my mom and my, you know, smelling, waking up to the smell of my grandma, like browning her roast at, you know, probably seven o'clock in the morning so that it could cook long enough to be ready so, for 11 o'clock sharp when my grandfather came in from the sugarcane field. So I know? want you to close your eyes and think about that. And you know, close your eyes and think about the sounds and the smells and tell me mm-hmm. what's it sound like? What's it smell like when Momo's getting ready for that? Yeah. I mean, you could, I, I could smell it like waking up in the bed you know, and down the hall, you know, I could smell that meat frying on the stove. You know, her browning it so she could put it in the oven to uh, to finish, you know. Um, I mean, it's, you know, like the grease and the garlic and the, and the um, you know, just that meat browning is, you know. Um, also, like, the white beans cooking or the, you know, it's just... I, those are smells that you I can walk into a kitchen today, you know, and it'll take me right back there Absolutely. you know we went to a, um, a restaurant in Thibodeau the other day uh, Flanagan's that was like the fanciest place to go when I was a kid and um, and I looked at the menu this was like for Father's Day you know and uh, it was kind of a last minute um, plan and we looked at the menu and the menu was like the same as it was back then you know and uh my mom and I got a cup of crab meat soup, cream of crab meat soup, and it was the same soup that they served when I was young. And that makes your heart happy, yeah. right? I mean, but to know, I could taste it and know that it was the same, exactly. So, um, it, you know, it's just crazy, that because I hadn't eaten there in 25 years. So, um, but, you know, I mean, we all have those... those um, sensory um time machines i guess that just take you back as soon as you smell or taste something that you know you haven't tasted in years and you know like i used to serve stuff stuff bell peppers that eat in the french quarter and i would have people at the table sometimes you know just like you know tearing up because the last time they ate stuffed peppers was like when their mom cooked them Aww. you know so i mean it just takes you know things like that just take you back to a time and a place that, you know, is like near and dear, so. Well, when you were writing the book and, you know, you had this this whole, all these recipes that you were using in your restaurants and things like that, were there certain recipes that were, were so important to you that you said, this must be in my cookbook? Well, um, y- yes. I mean, there were, the, there were ones that that highlight i guess the the season of the traditions of easter like crawfish bisque or the chicken and andouille gumbo that you know you eat on christmas eve or um you know i have my grandmother's whole thanksgiving dinner in there you know every every you know the main things and the side dishes and the desserts and everything and um you know just those things of telling the story of of uh, why we eat 
things when we eat them and what's fresh and what's in season and and um and what makes sense you know what's cost effective and but and also a, a bunch of the recipes that i have in here are recipes that i grew up eating but that you can't necessarily find the those recipes anymore you know if you find them it is a restaurant version or it is a you know gussied up you know version of what you ate you know something like that um and i just wanted to basically showcase the ingredients and show that you know as cajun people we take the simplest things and we make something really good from it by treating it the right way and, and that's exactly what happens and i i think you're spot on with the fact that some of the things that were everyday home-cooked meals in south louisiana they became kind of ordinary so they weren't necessarily uh as cherished by chefs and fancy restaurants or you just can't make them look good <laughs> yeah or it's just brown food yeah. right we're I mean, just the land of happy brown food if you, you know yeah if you notice in the in the book we uh, a lot of the a lot of the recipes have a picture of the beautiful raw ingredients because the you know you can only have so many brown pictures not that all of our food is brown but but I mean, we love brown food in South Louisiana. It's delicious. It's delicious. It's happiness. You know, it's, it's all the things. And I, I'm a sauce pecan girl. Yeah. Like I like I love a sauce pecan. If I go down to my sister's in Pierre Park, we stop at the the little restaurant in town. I'm like, I want the turtle sauce pecan. Mm. I want the gators. I want whatever sauce pecan you have yep. because. I want gravy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want. I want and my I gravy. A, I have a turtle sauce pecan and uh, recipe in there because at the at the St. Philip Food Festival, we uh, they used to auction off a huge snapping turtle every year. Oh my goodness! And Wait, so it was like it a, was live. a live turtle, and so you get it, yeah. and then you got to and kill it and cook no, it. No, somebody. Okay. Yeah, they would kill. They would kill it and like pack it up for you. But um, but yeah, there was always a huge snapping turtle at the as part of the auction that cracks me up and i've just recently uh, had some very lengthy conversation with clients about how here in south louisiana we're okay knowing who our food was right mm -hmm. like we we're okay with meeting mr earl the snapping turtle yeah. or um having it look at us after we cook it these are things that are not everyone in the world really right and, and and in the book i i we did a boucher, we uh, did a whole boucherie for the book, and I bought a 4-H pig, you know, which I grew up in 4-H. I bought a 4-H pig from um, a friend's daughter, and uh, and we we killed the pig, and we processed the pig, and did every made all the things with with all with the whole pig, and um, it really does give you a, a different uh, point of view. I mean, we grew up doing that, so you know, it's not like it's new to me but at the same time it gives you a respect for the animal and it also makes you realize that you know we do need to like use as much as we can and we do need to um pay that animal the respect that you know it for all the things that it gave us you know so um you know we make everything from hog head cheese to boudin to sausages and jambalaya and everything uh and and cracklins and we use every piece that we can so um yeah those you know 
those chicken nuggets had bones at one point. Right. You know, the the bacon the bacon uh you know was an animal. It doesn't just it doesn't just, you know, appear. Uh, yeah, and I, some people don't want to even consider that, but I think um kind of like you said is we're also honoring the animal that's providing the food and knowing yeah. that we are not we're not wasting yeah. any of and it. And those animals they take you know, they, it takes a long time for them to, to be, you know, ready for that. You know, it takes a lot of feeding and it takes a lot of care. And, um, you know, we just don't think about that because it's just always available, you know. But if, but, you know, we fuss about the price of things. But at the same time, you know, if you had to do it and you had to raise it, you know how much, you know, you'd probably sell it for a lot more. Right. You know? so. Look, I picked some uh, chanterelles this weekend and somebody asked me, how much they were a pound and I and you said, counted the mosquito bites. I said a million dollars because between the spider webs, the heat, the bugs, yeah, no, there's no amount of money yeah. I would sell yeah. those for. Exactly. And I think, you know, we're we're lucky that farmers are willing to do all that mm-hmm. hard work for us to help get our food to our tables. Right. Yeah. Well, so you were you said you were in four H. What did you show? We showed, we started off showing um, lambs and pigs, and then we just ended up showing pigs. Okay. So I was, a, we showed cows. Mm-hmm. I had a rabbit, but I'll never do rabbits again. They're mean. My dad has cows now, but we didn't have, <laughs> we, we didn't have, a, we had horses and pigs and chickens and everything as kids, but, um, and his retirement hobby is uh, raising black Angus. Okay. So. Awesome. So, you know, that whole farm life is, is still in your family, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And well, I have chickens out at the smokehouse, too. Okay. So you have chickens at the smokehouse. Are you growing any vegetables or anything? Not. We had some okra and tomatoes planted. Um, not a ton, but um, but we had a little a little bed of each. And uh, and we also had a guy. But he's, he's finished for the season because it's so hot. But um, he grows and sells Creole tomatoes right in front of our store. And... Uh, he has he plants six hundred plants every year. Wow! And um, I think he was just selling like flat. I mean, like truckfuls. You know, every day he was they were picking. And um, my parents had a great year with tomatoes too. They will have picked when they're done with their plants. They will have picked over eight hundred tomatoes. Oh wow! And they probably had uh, twenty thirty plants, something like that. Wow! Not I- twenty plants. I mean. I had three plants right. and I got one little bitty baby grape tomato, yeah, I know. and that was the extent of it. Well, it's not—you're just not retired, and you—you know—you don't have time to, to um, to baby them, you know, to no. sing to them and everything else. Like that's exactly I think that's what, what it, it takes. I think it takes you having to be retired to be able to grow really good tomatoes. <laughs> and I need all the retired people in my life to bring me the mm-hmm. tomatoes so I can have tomato sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. Well. We've been living on tomatoes for the last few weeks, but they're about done now. Well, so, you know, as far as the book, are there any recipes in the book that you go back and you go, this one was, this one was a sleeper. This one was amazing. I didn't realize how great this was going to either be to eat or to photograph or how much people would enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I, uh. I got asked to make, I have an andouille cheesecake in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like people make the, is it a Palace Cafe makes yes. the uh, 
crab meat. I think it's crab meat. And then uh, does Giacomo's make an alligator cheesecake? Yes. yes. So, I mean, we, my smokehouse um, in Laplace, we sell andouille. We sell, you know, 10 times more andouille than we do anything else. And uh, so, of course, we needed to have an andouille cheesecake. And um, I got asked to make one of those this week. And, um, and I just forgot. Yeah, I hadn't made it in a while. But uh, I forgot that how much people like it. You know, it's, it's something that I just forget about. Um, but also, you know, I think the... Let's see. I don't know. I'm looking at the the rabbit cassoulet. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh heck yeah. That, yeah, that's really good. That I, sounds yummy. Like, although in, in not this, until October. I was gonna say in this heat, <laughs> it, I can't even think about it. But uh, yeah, no, that was that was really good too. Uh, and we sell smoked rabbit as well. So I mean, that's something that it makes it really easy to to do once if you have those smoked items already. So tell everybody where the smokehouse is. The smokehouse is. Um, 769 West 5th Street in Laplace. It's called Wayne Jacobs Smokehouse. And um, as a kid, I would go there with my grandmother and uh, she only bought her andouille and smoked sausage and smoked chickens and stuff from there and to make gumbos and jambalaya and everything else. And um, I secretly, when I opened my restaurant in the French Quarter, eat, I secretly would buy from them and... Um, and make gumbo with with that stuff and you know we'd sell the smoked sausage and everything as a but uh so i bought from them for about 10 years and then they told me that they were getting out of the business and you know that's where my family has shopped for three generations so um it's 72 years old it was started in 1950. so uh you know, like I said earlier, yeah, I think I forgot how much trouble restaurants are. <laughs> and um, I said, yes, I want it. Uh, if you're getting out of it, I, I'd love it. Because they, I'm from that area and they, they, you know, knew that I really loved the product. And um, so me and a business partner bought it in 2016 and, um, and we were, you know, we've operated since then. We've grown the online business, the online store, and uh, we ship all over the country. And um, then last year, you know, along with everyone else in South Louisiana, we got hit by Hurricane Ida. We lost about a third of the roof. It blew the front windows out, which the last time the front windows got blown out was for Hurricane Betsy. Oh, my goodness. So, um, which all the neighbors told me because they've lived there for that long. And uh, and actually, people rode out Hurricane Betsy in the smokehouse oh, wow. because it was the only concrete building in the area. So, um, but we lost a good bit of the roof, which a lot of it had been on since 1950 because we <laughs> it was stamped tin, you know, so we could see. And uh, and we had to completely gut the place, and um, you know, we just kind of getting the restaurant back rolling and uh, the smoke the store has been open since right after thanksgiving and um so yeah we we didn't make it for thanksgiving but we got people there christmas on dewey and you know for That's the gumbo awesome. and everything but uh we're completely renovated um we had to we took out all the stuff you know that that makes it um you know wayne jacobs and we we 
cleaned and restored and everything, all of the stuff, but we have a brand new roof. We have new windows. Um, we have, you know, new floor and, you know, and all every, the old recipes and right? all the old recipes and, and the actual smoke houses were untouched. So the actual smoke houses survived and, um, and you know, the, now it's clean and it's new and, and you know, it's nothing that we could have done without, um, without the hurricane happening. A little washed away, right? Exactly. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. Well, you know, you got the cookbook and I know that people can probably get the cookbook at the smokehouse, but where else can they get your cookbook? They can get it at the smokehouse. Um, there's several New Orleans, uh, I know Blue Cypress has it, um, Garden District has it, um, Octavia has it. And uh, also, Barnes and Noble has it. I know all through South, all through Louisiana, Barnes and Noble has it. I'm not sure how you know regional. Um, and also online on you know Amazon and. Um, but buy from the smokehouse. Buy from, from the your smokehouse. small local bookstore. Exactly. Or if you know me, just text me and uh, <laughs> and I'll get you one or two or you know however many you need for gifts. Um, so yeah, and uh. Also, with the, with the cookbook, uh, there's the seasoning mix inside. And if you do get it from the smokehouse, uh, you'll get a bottle of the seasoning mix as well to get you started. I love that. And while you're at the smokehouse, y'all, hey, uh, Jared brought me a few things. And I just have to tell you that not only did he bring me a little bit of hot sauce, I got some tasso, I got some andouille, and it looks like I got some bacon too. So... All the meat that you need to go and all the recipes for this cookbook, you can just go down to the smokehouse, get your cookbook, get your spices, buy your bacon, and then you should just be so inspired that cooking just magically happens, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, just turn your AC down and... Uh... And, you know, it won't heat up your house too bad, right? Well, what advice um, do you have for, we have just a, a couple minutes left, but what advice do you have for cooks that get the book and they're like, I'm going to tackle something. Mm -hmm. What should they do? I think all the recipes, well, not all the recipes, but, you know, most of the recipes are pretty um, approachable. You know, uh, it's, you don't need a whole lot of special specialty ingredients. Um and you know these are recipes that that uh were done by home cooks for the most part you know to begin with so it's not like it's you know you need any special skills or um you know so i think that they're very approachable um i had a really great editor and she um made sure that you know i wasn't leaving anything out so um you know i think that i think that they're pretty easy to tackle Awesome. And they're by the season, so you know exactly what's in season and right. start there. And right. So when you go to the store and you see, you know, bell peppers, you know, five for a dollar or whatever they used to be, um, you know, you'll know what you'll have something to do with them. You know, you can you can get those things that are on sale that are in season that are local and um, you can go to the cookbook and, and see, you know, and and there would probably be a recipe for those things. So, um you know, if you can get inspired at the grocery store and the cookbook will just take you the rest of the way. I love it. I love it. Well, for my listeners, our guest today was Chef Jared Zarang. He's with Wayne Jacobs Smokehouse and his new book is 
Southern and Smoked Cajun Cooking Through the Seasons. Make sure you go and get a copy, get a seasoning blend, get some Mondewi, get cooking, and enjoy food in Louisiana, right? Yeah, thank you, Amy. For everybody out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of Dinner Party, Chef Amy Sins. Until next time, ciao.